University of Colorado. While the number of K-12 students of color has risen dramatically in Colorado in recent years, the number of teachers of color has not kept pace. For more than a decade, the University of Colorado Denver's Pathways to Teaching program has aimed to balance that teacher-to-student ratio. Today on CU on the Air, we're talking with Jocelyn Garcia Moreno, a graduate of the Pathways to Teaching program, and Dr. Margarita Bianco, Associate Professor of Education and the program's founder. Oh, Margarita, it's so nice to have you with us today. Can you start us off by discussing the origins of Pathways mm -hmm. to Teaching and just give us an overview of the program? We started in 2010 with one high school in Denver Public Schools. The origin of the program is it's both personal and professional for me in terms of as a Latina, never having a teacher who looked like me throughout my entire schooling experience, even through my doctoral program, still till this day, have never had a Latina or Latino instructor or a faculty. So it was personal from the standpoint that representation matters. And I didn't have that experience. And then, you know, as I entered higher ed and I wanted to find, I wanted to find a project that I could uh, really invest myself in that would feed my soul as I do, you know, really intense work. And so the whole idea of really addressing the teacher diversity gap, not just in Colorado, but around the country, what could I do to facilitate some change there. And so that was really the origin of creating the Pathways to Teaching program designed for high school students, mostly high school students of color, to consider entering the teacher workforce. So that's the nexus of the program. Jocelyn, thank you so much for being here today with us. Would you tell us where you're from originally, where you went to high school, and how you learned about Pathways to Teaching? Yeah, I was born in Denver, Colorado. When I was seven years old, I moved to Mexico and I came back when I was 14 years old. And I've been here ever since. I moved quite a lot my freshman year. That's when I came back to the United States. But I started high school at Abraham Lincoln High School in South Denver when I was in my 10th grade. I learned about pathways to teaching going into my junior year. I've always wanted to be a teacher uh, that was already known and my counselors knew about my desire of becoming an educator. And so she told me about this class that was meant for students who wanted to kind of take that route. I decided to sign up and it's been one of the best decisions that I've ever taken. That's wonderful. Tell us about your journey from high school to this point in your career. What are you doing now? And if you would kind of walk us through how you got here. When I came back into the country, I was an English language learner in an all-white school. It was really difficult for me to navigate through that. It was hard to communicate with people. It was hard just in general, the actions and the things that were happening around. There were a lot of microaggressions that I didn't know what they were at that time until I came to Lincoln and started taking the course and I started learning about all of those things and why it matters to have representation and people of color and the power that we hold. So teaching and the desire of becoming a teacher not only became uh, something that I've wanted to do just because in general, I love education. I've always been in love with learning and knowing new things, but it became more of a passion and a personal project that I wanted to do more. And I wanted to 
push myself to the limits of seeing what I'm capable of doing just because and again, in public teaching in the first course, I learned about all of the injustices and the achievement gaps and so many different levels. So I wanted to be a good representation of what us people of color and me as a female Latina can do. So I started taking a bunch of concurrent enrollment classes in, at Lincoln, um, a, a bunch of AP classes. I ended up graduated with over a year of college credits. So right away, went to CU Denver to start my math BS. And I finished it in three years because of that year that I did in high school. That was last May. Uh, I graduated with my bachelor's in science and mathematics, general mathematics, and I right away started my master's in uh, secondary mathematics education. And hopefully I will be done this May with my master's and begin teaching next August. Wow. Well, good for you. And we're always talking at CU these days about how to make a CU education more affordable and what you did concurrent enrollment and AP credits. Those are two of the hugest ways, but congratulations. That's a huge feat to, to enter college with already basically a year of college under your belt. Good for you. Thank and you. So where do you plan to teach when you're done earning your master's degree? I've always wanted to go back to Lincoln just because Lincoln gave me so much and that was my community at some point. I don't live near Lincoln anymore. I still consider it my community. Eventually, maybe not next year, but sometime I do want to go back to Lincoln and teach there. Because of Pathways to Teaching, I got my para certificate and I actually got hired right away after I graduated from Lincoln as a para at Lincoln. So it's kind of a dream of mine to, as a student, becoming a para and now a teacher. Eventually, that's something that I want to do. Right now, I'm doing my third internship of the program at Hinkley High School, and it's funny because the principal at Hinkley right now used to be my high school principal when I was at Lincoln, <laughs> and so uh, I was told that there might be a position open, and I'm probably considering it, so I don't know. It's It depends wherever destiny takes me, but I definitely have some considerations between Hinkley and Lincoln because of those things. Absolutely. How did the Pathways to Teaching program kind of help you reach this point? It really opened my eyes to a lot of injustices and a lot of topics that I wasn't aware at all. I knew that racism exists, discrimination exists, but I didn't know how powerful it, how much it impacted certain communities. And I became aware of how it impacted me at some point in my life. It made me be kind of hyper aware of those kind of things that I don't want that to happen to other students. I am really passionate about going back to my community and serving students like I was at some point. Well, Margarita, when you were first interviewed by CU on the Air, students in Pathways to Teaching were researching and solving challenges within their communities as part of the program. Is that something that's still happening? And if so, what are some of the issues they're working to address? Yeah, that's absolutely part of the core curriculum in terms of students have to identify something either within their school or just within education writ large, right? What's something that's really bothering them? We have hundreds of students every year examine different issues and they range. So for example, there was a student at, was it Collegiate Pep Academy? No, it was um, CEC Middle College. 
who was upset that there was still bathrooms that you had to identify your sex, that it was either a boy's room or a girl's room. And he was adamant about having a non-gender identity kind of bathroom, you know, that he could use. And so he really petitioned and worked hard with the principal and they got it done that year. So that's just a small example of one student who was upset by a structure in his building that he felt was discriminatory and he changed it. And I'm talking about issues that really upset particular students. Another student wanted this, the kind of schedule changed to allow them more freedom, you know, whether it was to go out of the building for lunch or whatever. I mean, another student was upset about the police presence in their school, for example, and wanted to better understand why were there always police in front of their school? And when they did research, understood that police presence isn't something that happens everywhere. So it really ranges from building specific issues to more national issues that we see around the country. What type of students are, if you would term them as this, ideal candidates for the program? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Any student, one of the differences of Pathways to Teaching from other programs is that we don't have a grade point average requirement. So that really allows us to cast a wider net. So a lot of the other Grow Your Own Teacher programs, for example, have um, a GPA requirement of 3.0 or 2.5 and plus letters of recommendation. And we decided that early on that that was not going to be important to us in terms of criteria. And I can use myself as an example. My grade point average in high school was really low. And I would not have been able to get into my own program if I had cut that grade point average, you know, and put that as a criteria. So it was just important to me to cast a wider net. So in terms of the ideal student, I think any student who wants to examine social justice issues in their community, in the state, in the country, certainly is an ideal candidate. I also like to think about, of course, you know, it goes without saying any student that's interested in becoming a teacher or an educator in any way, but really it's the students who who don't have direction, the students who don't know what they necessarily want to do when they get out of school, who don't know if they even want to go to college, students who have been really disenfranchised um, by a system who wasn't designed to make them successful. Those are the students that I really want to grab hold of because I think the program can turn around their perspective of what their role could be in changing some of the very systems that have tried to push them out. And those are the students that I really think um, the program can make a, a difference in their life for sure. Jocelyn, why do you feel this approach is beneficial? It gives a message to students and Pathways to Teaching doesn't require GPA. It usually wants to have students who just needed someone to believe that they can do it and become those role models that we desperately need in the schools. And uh, so that way our students and students like myself can see people that look like us in those higher positions that we don't often really see. I came from a family with low income. I actually, for college, I had to apply my senior year. I spent my lunches applying for scholarships because I knew that if I didn't get scholarships, I was probably not going to go to college or maybe I was, but my parents would have had made so many more sacrifices than what they already did for me. So 
it, it kind of made me aware of those little things that to some it might not seem big, but for some communities, for some families, for some students, it definitely is a lot. And so it kind of shaped the path that I wanted to take with my career, with my life, with my personal choices and pretty much everything else. Jocelyn was actually uh, in our first paraprofessional cohort. So she was one of the first students to graduate with the nine credits that transferred into our program at CU. So yeah, so she was one of our first and she's an amazing success story. And she was able to work immediately after, you know, her graduation, her high school principal hired her right away to teach math. So she's an example of why this is so important for young people, especially for young people that need to work right after, you know, graduation. So yeah, that that's powerful and very inspiring. Margarita, you've said that sometimes it feels like progress in equity moves at a snail's pace. What can we do about this? Boy, <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> you know, sometimes point. I think if it moves at a snail's pace, it's better than not moving at all. And sometimes I get frustrated in how slowly progress happens. When I talk to students like Jocelyn and, and so many others that we've had through the program, you know, that's what gives me hope when I see young people who are out there who are ready and willing and energized to take up the cause and really move things forward. That's what gives me some hope. And that's what makes me feel like things will be I'm leaving the education world in better hands, you know. I'm not ready to retire yet, but pretty soon, you know, at some point in the near future. And so I really want, I really want to build that legacy and make sure that there's people like young people like Jocelyn who are going to pick up this work. And I feel confident that she's going to make it better and make the world a better place. And that's what brings me hope and makes me feel like it's okay, things are moving forward. Jocelyn, I know several people have helped you on your path. Can you tell us about some of your teachers in high school? Who inspired you and what made them inspiring? Yeah, I have to say that I've been really lucky. All of the math teachers that I've had, I've seen the passion that they have for math, especially at Lincoln. It was a great math department of teachers and each of them inspired me in some little way or another of just the passion that they had for the subject and my senior year, my AP Calc teacher, she was a female of color, also came from India, so English was her second language. She is amazing at math, and so it really was inspiring. I wanted to be like her, you know, a female of color, teaching others something that she was really passionate about, and I am really passionate about math, so that was huge for me. Also, my pathways to teaching instructors, both of them were it was a female and a male of color. And Ms. Palomino, she taught me two of the publicity teaching courses. She always referred herself as a as a chola. She said, I'm 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 a little chola uh, and I made it and I'm teaching now. And that that was huge for me. Just hearing that and the teacher being proud of her roots and where she came from, it was amazing. And uh, it, it it definitely left a mark in my life. Wonderful. Well, you're a great example of how Pathways to Teaching benefits students and ultimately our state. I'd love to hear from you about this. How do you think the program benefits the state of Colorado? I think that not only the state, but across the country, we see a huge teacher turnover rate. And if we look at the statistics, and that's something that I've learned from the conferences that Dr. Bianco gives, that the amount of teachers of color that we have considering 
the amount of students of colors that there are in the school districts is completely two different extremes. Having a program like this where it motivates students who maybe they weren't considering becoming teachers and motivates them to go back and, and be that role model that a lot of us as students kind of desire to have when we're growing up. Like I said, when I came back to the country, I was in an all-white school and the only people of color that I saw were the ladies in the cafeteria. That truly does need to change. And Jocelyn, we're so happy you're already a big part of that change. Margarita, you've also had support as you continue to build this important initiative. Who are the program's external partners and what role do they play? Originally, when we first started, it was just local to here, Denver metro area. So all of our local school districts were, you know, real critical partners for us. So Denver Public Schools, Jeffco, all of our local districts. So we partner with them and CU Denver offers credit for the concurrent enrollment courses that we offer. And then, you know, as the program grew and it's grown exponentially since we started, We're now in rural Colorado too, not just uh, urban communities. So we're also in Pueblo. But over the last several years, we've expanded throughout the country and actually Pathways to Teaching is considered a national grow your own model now. So we have programs and we have several programs throughout Minnesota, Tennessee. We have programs in Louisiana and New Orleans right now, New York. Uh, North Carolina. So we're all over the country and we're expanding, you know, every year we usually add on at least another state or another partner somewhere. So yeah, it's been phenomenal, phenomenal growth. Jocelyn, obviously this program was a big source of support for you and many others, but what additional support would be helpful for students of color in order for them to be successful? I think programs like this that support students that aren't really supported throughout school. When I got to Lincoln, I was in general ed classes. And then my second semester, teachers started moving me to honors classes because I was asking them and they noticed that I liked learning. I was motivated to learn. I was motivated to uh, do good in school. And that's something that also helped me because if I weren't taking those honors classes, I would have never taken AP classes or concurrent enrollment classes. I wouldn't have finished with a year of college. I wouldn't have been motivated to even go to college. In my first school, that wasn't the case. I had a lot of teachers made sort of comments of me not being smart enough because Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to speak the language. It wasn't a fact of whether I was smart enough or not. It was just that I genuinely didn't understand what was going on because everything was in English. Um, So just having support systems that believe in students and give the opportunity to students that aren't really given those opportunities can be a huge change for for their academic career but also in their personal lives I think it's huge and if we're talking about students going into higher education into colleges or other programs I think the financial aspect is also huge because it is no doubt that there's a gap that exists between communities of color and other communities and financially having those supports can make or break a decision of whether or not continuing their education or not. Absolutely. As we mentioned earlier, Margarita, we featured Pathways to Teaching in our second episode of See You on the Air several years ago. Are there any other ways the program has grown since we last spoke to you that you'd like to touch on? 
Yeah, so I think one of the things that's fairly new in the last couple of years is Pathways to Teaching started off as one course. It's a year-long course that was really focused on social justice and looking at teaching through a justice lens, right? So one of the things that we did based on feedback that we were getting from district leaders is they wanted more courses. So they wanted to expand the concurrent enrollment offerings to include more courses that would lead towards that, you know, teacher license. So I developed two other courses based on courses that we offer at CU Denver that we now offer three courses that lead to a paraprofessional certificate. So that's fairly new. Um, So students can graduate from high school with nine credits that can seamlessly transfer into an undergrad teacher prep program. Students get a real solid foundation for how they can be a paraprofessional. And so it offers an opportunity for students to have employment immediately after high school graduations that they can be working as a paraprofessional while they're in their undergrad program. So that's fairly new. And that's also been really successful and something that's really needed. So how many students has Pathways to Teaching served overall? Do you have a rough estimate of that? You know, I I wish I had an exact number, but I don't. But probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 1,700 students. Wow. Um, Yeah, so it's been, like I said, it's just grown phenomenally. And I'm so proud of the work and I'm proud of the teachers who, you know, especially during this pandemic, who held the program together and taught the classes online and the students who persevered and, you know, successfully completed. So it's been an effort uh, of love on everybody's part, and we continue to support our teachers and our students through a really rough time, for sure. Jocelyn, having had such great success in Pathways to Teaching, what would you tell high school students who are considering participating in the program? Do you have any words of encouragement or advice? First of all, to enjoy it and to learn throughout the process. It is definitely a learning experience, and it's really powerful once you actually start taking in all of the information because it's information that you will not hear anywhere else. Also, it might get hard at times. I mean, it is a college class for high school students. It it will get hard, especially for students who maybe haven't taken college classes before because they weren't given the opportunity or they weren't being seen as a student who could take a college class. But hanging there, it's definitely worth it, even if they don't want to be teachers. I mean, even if they don't even want to go into any type of education-related job, but just knowing that and having that empowerment that careers information brings, it's it's huge. Thank you. Well, my last question for you is, what are your hopes for education, K through 12 education or higher education in Colorado and just in general? Any thoughts you have on that? My ideal dream would be that one day race and ethnicity and language and everything is celebrated rather than being an obstacle for students where we are not afraid to and by we I mean like anyone who wants to go to school it's not afraid to not go because of money because of I look different than everyone else in there because I don't understand how to navigate those systems and that schools in general k through 12 students are not afraid to explode their potential Mm -hmm. because they will know that there's going to be someone in the building or multiple people that 
believe in them and not follow the stereotypes or the biases that a lot of teachers and educators tend to have because of a certain experience that they had before or because of a certain encounter that they may have experienced before. Just being able to celebrate the differences and use them as empowerment rather than as something to be ashamed of. A lot of the times, at least I know that I've been ashamed of my accent and the way I spoke and but now it's it's an empowerment. It just tells me that I know two languages and it's yeah. wonderful. So I just hope that one day we can all feel good about all of those things that makes us who we are. And I'm a big fan of your vision. Margarita, what's the main takeaway you'd like our listeners to get from our chat today? I think that right now we're in a real crisis, an educational crisis from a number of perspectives. We have a huge teacher shortage crisis that's not only affecting Colorado, but it's, it's a dangerous crisis that's happening around the country. We're having entire classrooms with young people with no teachers, substitutes there. Anyway, we have horrible challenges there, as well as this teacher diversity gap, with, which is huge in Colorado and around the country. And so, you know, I want listeners to know that there are things that we can do and that we need to really embrace issues that are important to us and move forward. I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about, you know, when you're examining these issues that are persistent and are hard and challenging, you can stay in this anger state, right, in a state of rage because it just doesn't change. But unless you do something about it, it's that action piece that starts to bring you a little bit of peace and knowing that you're taking a step and changing something. So I think that, you know, listeners need to find out what it is that they can do about issues that are um, challenging for them. And the teacher diversity one is something that everybody should be concerned about. White colleagues and families, as well as uh, colleagues of color. So um, the teacher diversity gap is huge. In terms of ways that listeners can help the program, I started a scholarship fund a number of years ago. I'd love for people to consider donating to the scholarship fund. It's, you know, certainly helped Jocelyn and many students like her. And it's for students who have been through the Pathways to Teaching program that come to CU Denver. So I'm really proud of that work. Thank you both so much for joining us today on CU on the Air. And thank you for all you're doing to create avenues for underrepresented students to teach in their communities through Pathways to Teaching. See You on the Air is hosted by Emily Davies, produced by Kathy Buten, and recorded and engineered by me, John Arnold. Email us your questions and suggestions at ontheair at cu.edu. We'll see you on the air next time. University of Colorado.